0: Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now, your host, Jason Miller.
1: My guest today is Susie Conner, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Chief Information Officer. Susie, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you, Jason, for having me. Good afternoon.
1: So there's so much to talk about with the CDC. It's been so long since I've had the CIO on my program, but I want to start with a little bit about your background. You've been the Chief Information Officer at the CDC for about over a year now. Before that, you were the Director of CDC's Mission Information Systems Office. So maybe discuss that transition. How did you become the CIO? Give me a little bit of your backstory.
0: Yes, as you indicated, I've been the CIO for about 18 months now, but I've actually been at CDC for almost five years as the CDC's Management Information Systems Office Director prior to assuming the role of the CIO. It's been a great transition coming to CDC and starting out in the Management Systems Office to really focus on transformation of change. And really, why does technology matter for us? It's really key to unlocking our life-affirming information, our interventions, and impacts for the people that we serve at CDC. When I first came on board, I initially spent a good deal of time exploring how our team could best support the CDC. How do we advance its forward momentum and realize the tech-driven possibilities that will unleash the power of data for disease detection, prevention, and an elimination. In other words, as I've said to my team, putting the public science into action more rapidly through modernized IT methods.
1: Now, I like that, public science into action more rapidly. I mean, that's the key here, right? Data is the key. What's the difference between your CIO role and the Mission Information Systems Office role? Is there a big difference, or is it just the, the breadth and depth as a CIO versus the Management Information Systems Office?
0: As the CIO, I have overall responsibility for all of the agency's IT assets, data, and information that we're entrusted with. Under the Management Information Systems Office, we were focused on the enterprise development of business and administrative systems. So really looking at how do we operate Our systems to run the agency. And in my CIO role, I have responsibility to look across the broad spectrum of our public health, scientific, and operational responsibilities. And as a matter of fact, we're in the midst of a quite exciting three-part IT transformation for the agency that's results-oriented, customer-focused, and really future-forward. And at the conclusion of that, I hope as a CIO that we'll redefine how the CDC advances our mission, delivers data-driven modern solutions and outcomes to our customers, whether they're a citizen reaching out to us online, or a state health agency requesting assistance, or any of our internal and external users around the world, we want to make sure we materially improve the quality of our experience and that's really our goal through the three part transformation.
1: All right, so I know we will get back to that three part IT transformation maybe a little bit later in the show. But before I get there, so you are now have both titles, right? You're both the CIO and the Director of Management Information Systems Office.
0: No, I am solely C D C Chief Information Officer. We have an acting director for the Management Information Systems Office as we continue our ongoing transformation, not only agency-wide, but within the office of the Chief Information Officer as well.
1: But you work closely with that office in, in, in your previous role. You work closely with the CIO's office, I can only imagine, just based on how you describe the roles of the Management Information Systems Office.
0: Actually, that organization is within the Office of the Chief Information Officer. So we have multiple components, and one of which is the Management Information Systems Office and our infrastructure and IT organization, as well as a few other components.
1: Okay, excellent. I just want to clarify that because a lot of times with, for instance, like a Chief Technology Officer, just as an example, sometimes they can sit somewhere else or a CDO may sit somewhere else. So I think it's what's important from... I think my listener's perspective is is kind of the the way your office is organized, which actually leads us to the great follow-up question, which is, how is your office organized? How many employees do you have? How many contractors? And if you remember, what was your IT budget for 2018?
0: How we are organized within the CDC, the chief information officer works with all of our centers to protect Americans from health, safety, and security threats you know obviously as cdc we're global so that's both foreign and domestic but my role in our cdc office and our structure really focuses on the it assets for the agency so we have in terms of our organization we have roughly 1000 staff which is a mix between government ftes and contractors that help us accomplish the goals of the chief information officer at cdc we spend roughly 500 million dollars a year on it about one quarter of which is for the core it infrastructure and the remaining is focused on our mission critical systems
1: a couple things to dive deeper into first of all about a thousand staff that's a huge huge number of people Do you know what the breakdown is? Is it 50-50 government to industry? Is it 80-20? Is it 20-80? Do you have a breakdown of that?
0: We're very heavily dependent on our our contracted workforce. So within the office of the CIO, we have about 350 staff, so 70-30 in terms of the contractor to FedMix.
1: And uh, when you talk about the core IT infrastructure spending versus the mission critical, a lot of people would look at that and go, oh, so you've gotten out of the O&M rut and you, you're in the DME rut. But that's probably not necessarily true because you can have a lot of, obviously, operations and maintenance sustainability in the mission critical area. Do you know what your breakdown is, O&M versus DME or however you know, OMB is now telling us how to carve it out, CapEx versus OpEx?
0: Well, as you indicated, OMB is in the process of changing the way that we look and delineate our IT costs. The traditional sense of DME and O&M is now moving into a technology business management cost pools, if you will. But we sit roughly at about 80-20. We are still in the operations and maintenance mode. But as I indicated earlier. The transition that we are embarking upon is to really move more into the development, modernization, and enhancements. As we look at an agency-wide IT modernization effort, to really shift out of that operations and maintenance mode.
1: I know it's such a tough shift, and so many agencies are going through very similar things, so I look forward to hearing more about it. We're going to take a quick break, but right before I let you go, let me just ask one last thing. You you talked about your background a little bit. You've been at the CDC for five years. You've held the Management Information Systems Office role. Talk maybe a little bit more about your background. How did you come to CDC, and where else have you worked You know, in or out of government before coming to CDC?
0: Absolutely. I was very excited to join the CDC team as I had been at HHS headquarters in D.C. for almost eight years, and CDC was a great partnership in those roles um, at the agency. So most recently before coming to CDC, I served as the director for the Administrative Operations Services Organization, which is part, if you're familiar with HHS, part of the Program Support Center and prior to that in coming into the federal government i was the director of information technology and infrastructure operations so delivering that core capability for the department and then in the administrative operations service area i managed a quite a large substantial portfolio of shared services, including everything from business and administrative services to technical shared services across a wide variety of capabilities, whether that be our transportation and travel, our payroll services, or managing an enterprise contact center for the department. Prior to going into the federal government, my experience at HHS, I also have experience in the private sector, which includes both Fortune 100 companies like Booz Allen and and EDS back in the day, as well as sales and product development positions in a variety of Silicon Valley technology startups focused on data security, encryption, and bringing really modernized new capabilities into the workforce.
1: All right, very nice. Uh, it's it's nice that you were able to kind of take that broad perspective over at HHS headquarters and the program support center and then kind of bring it down to the CDC level. It's it's a nice mix because you kind of understand now both sides of the of the coin when it comes to delivering services from a mission perspective but also from the broad enterprise-wide perspective. Imagine that that's a nice feeling for you to when when someone at the headquarters says, hey, we need to move into cloud email. And you go, okay, I get why we got to do that versus, no, but I love my email server, right? You don't need to necessarily hug your email server, right?
0: Absolutely. And when you look at structures, both in the corporate, if you will, from the private sector days, and the government and the motivators for the public sector, they both really have one common goal, delivering an outstanding customer experience. So whether it's in the public or private domain, the one thing that is always consistent in my background is to understand that we need to deliver superior customer service to really accomplish what's needed for our organizational outcomes. That's my goal here for CDC as well, is to align our technologies with the department and administrative goals and to deliver them in the most comprehensive way possible.
1: All right. Very good. We'll get into all that in just a little bit. But first, let's take a quick break. My guest is Susie Conner, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Chief Information Officer. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Susie Conner, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Chief Information Officer. Now, Susie, before break, we got to know you a little bit. We talked about your transition to being a CIO. We about learned a little bit about your office. Let's jump into some older priorities. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's been about eight years since I had the CDC CIO on my show, so there's so much to catch up with. And one of the big priorities back eight years ago was something around single sign-on capability, improving logical access controls. Just give me a quick update on that specific effort, but let's talk also more broadly about app security, data security as well. So start with the single sign-on and logical access piece.
0: Over the past eight years, I can say that we have successfully implemented uh, single sign-on solutions for our CDC staff that really allow our staff to access the CDC network using personal identifiable verification card, otherwise known as the PIV, With it, they have access to all of CDC's enterprise-wide systems that they need to effectively do their jobs. As a global organization being spread throughout the U.S. and our international locations, Single Sign-On has given our staff the ability to work seamlessly throughout the world and connect our researchers, our partners, and our staff together Over the past few years, we've accomplished a lot when it comes to cyber protections and identity management, and we're really moving forward at a brisk pace with an eye towards continuous improvement in delivering our services safely and securely. Just recently, our identity and access management team updated our strategic roadmaps for how we're going to provide identity and access management solutions, which include looking at the implementation of next-generation verifications and authentication. So, for example, looking at things like certificate-based credentials for mobility. We're a very mobile workforce. How do we ensure the security of the devices and the information in transit? looking at what's next after the PIV card, such as biometrics. How do we begin to use biometrics for accessing our information? And not only accessing our information, but securely protecting the data that each of the individuals would need access to. These technologies will be key to ensure that only data that is necessary and relevant for a particular user is shared based upon their roles and their access. One such example, just to give you some insights, we are embarking upon our Office 365 program, which includes both certificate-based as well as multi-factor authentication which provides an additional layer of security beyond just your traditional password requiring an additional method of authentication. Think about how you use your credit card today. You'll be asked if you log into a computer that's not your normal computer for an additional security code. So, we'll be implementing that multi-factor so that our CDC staff can be more mobile in any environment and ensure the authenticity of that user with an additional security code that will be sent either via phone call or text message. But overall, our cybersecurity program remains a top priority for us, and identity and access management is key to that. We have an overarching responsibility for the protection and privacy of our scientific research and the public's health information. At odds with that at times, though, We must also demonstrate transparency and engage in mutual knowledge sharing with our partners and the public. So we have to be very careful to strike that balance between those two tension points and make sure that we can provide information seamlessly.
1: I want to go back to the ICAM strategic roadmap. Is that something that's like a strategic plan that's available that any of us can see, or is that something more of an internal document?
0: It's an internal strategic plan right now, but as part of looking at how we need to modernize as an agency, that will be something that we will be sharing for broader consumption.
1: All right, because I imagine our uh, friends in the uh, vendor world would be very excited to see where you hope to go, where you plan to go with that, so I'm trying to get get in front of their questions to you. The other piece of this, as you talk about updating the roadmap and, and provide kind of implementation of next-generation verification The ICAM and the the PIV cards and and all that, a lot of people say, well, that's kind of an older technology and and we have to kind of move on. How do you find that balance of ensuring you continue to use what OMB expects of you, which is the logical access and PIV, but also, as you said, Bringing in some of these newer certificate based or multi factor, is that a balancing act too that you find, or is it? Do you find that the PIV cards and it's just a logical kind of evolution that you're you're starting to go down that path on?
0: It is a, definitely a delicate balance. We have overarching policies, regulations, laws, and compliance that we must address, and PIV being one of those. So we wanna ensure that we're compliant where we are today, but continuously evolving to that next layer. That's where looking at those technologies such as biometrics become pivotal to making sure that we continue to do the research, ensure that they are secure and compliant, because as technologies evolve, What we use today for our protections can very easily turn into our vulnerabilities tomorrow. So we want to be very smart and methodical and ensure we do our due diligence on that. But at the same time, our data is a critical asset for CDC. So we need to be able to share it, but also maintain the integrity of it. So that's really where that delicate balance resides. But... We're very optimistic about those technologies, as well as looking at things like blockchain for protection of data and assets and information.
1: One of the things you mentioned when you talk about the mobile workforce and then the move to Office 365, and then you brought up this idea of ensuring that people have access to the right data at the right amount of time, but not access to all the data. And one of the popular things I hear across the federal community is is zero trust. It seems to be one of the latest buzzwords when it comes to security. Is a zero trust network or is a zero trust approach to security? Is that something that you guys are are heading toward?
0: That absolutely is, Jason. The, The zero trust network is one of those items that the CIO communities are collaborating on to understand the implications of how do we actually operationalize that. Here at CDC, we're looking at what's called a software-defined network, which helps build automated logical capabilities into our network so we can set policies both from an access perspective as well as for protections for data loss and prevention capabilities as well. So that zero trust is um, a critical component that we will be looking at both at the HHS level and CDC in terms of implementation.
1: All right. I know there's a lot of, again, interest in that, so something to potentially follow up with you on a later date. Another big priority was uh, data exchange. And it's something you mentioned earlier on that you work very closely with researchers. You work very closely with state and local partners and and other organizations. Eight years ago, that was something that was really getting going. So let's talk maybe a little bit of how that effort has evolved over the last few years. And and what are some of the areas you're looking maybe to improve upon? Or what are some focus areas? Data management, governance, accessibility, all all kind of big, big items when it comes to data management and, and data exchanges.
0: Data and information are really the bedrock of CDC's public health work. CDC operates a complex global IT enterprise, as we spoke about, and these networks connect our scientists, CDC scientists, and officials around the world with the vital information that they need on a a variety of topics whether it be epidemics or outbreaks or foodborne illnesses. In the past, data was exchanged in a siloed method. So CDC is dedicated to really unlocking those silos and the full potential of data for our disease detection and elimination. CDC's data on IT transformation is really a cross-cutting effort to improve data at CDC and how are we going to be able to do that? So we've been really focused on modernizing our tools, technologies and strategies, as well as our culture at the same time. As we look across these strategic imperatives, what we're focused on is how will we transform the information we collect, use and share data through those modern capabilities? So How do we improve the timeliness and quality of our data? How can we better coordinate data activities and systems? Probably most important, how do we reduce the burden on our data partners and how can we integrate emerging technologies more more effectively? We've looked at those across a variety of areas. To streamline our processes and requests, we've developed common solutions and mechanisms for data exchange using standard health level specifications, and that's really working directly with providers and governments to ensure our data exchange capabilities are there with the compliance of standards, data security, and the accessibility, really through procedures such as standardized message mapping guides, which enable each of our programs to receive data in a standard HL7 format. By following an industry standard such as that for ELR, we've standardized the exchange of lab results with our state partners. We're customizing its use. So when the standard doesn't work, we're using those agile methodologies that you spoke of earlier to incorporate the changes to meet those accepted standards. Another example of innovation that really is leading the forefront, the open standard called Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resources, also known as FHIR. It uses an internet-like approach to share health data, similar to how Microsoft, Google, Netflix, Amazon, all the other companies use the web to share data through application protocol interfaces. So we're finding some early tests on the emerging standards and are now being used agency-wide in some major initiatives, including collaborations with Georgia Tech and with the digital bridge plans for electronic healthcare care case notifications to the state health departments.
1: All right. There's a ton to unpack there, a lot of, a lot of good things around data exchange. When you talk about this uh, the, from a CIO's perspective, is your concern – about the systems that you're providing to to make the exchange happen? Or is your concern about those standards and about the the underlying technology as well? Where does your role fit into this?
0: So my concern really is ensuring that we're modernizing those core infrastructure capabilities to be able to receive these new standards and modifying our systems to make them more interoperable so that we can use the data more effectively. So in my role, that's what I'm really trying to help the organization to modernize, to be able to address the growing needs of the future.
1: And at the same time, I can only imagine that means your folks have to go into the mission side and say, okay, where is the standard going or where are we having trouble with the exchanges? Or how do we pilot, as you mentioned, FIRE? Do you have a specific part of your office that does that? Or do you break down your office by mission areas? How does your staff kind of work with the mission folks to ensure that they're meeting those needs, as you said, underlying modifying systems to make sure they're interoperable, can use data more effectively?
0: I work directly with Dr. Chesley Richards here in the agency, and we are embarking on this cross-cutting public health data and IT modernization effort. So we have been working collaboratively to meet with each of the program offices so that we can understand their future needs and then build those modernization plans. And in my organization with our staff, we're really starting to bring in even some new critical skills in the areas of public health so we can properly translate the need between the public health protocol needs and the technology solutions to be delivered. So part of our reorganization and transformation is to really drive in to collaborate with our programs where they may be doing a lot of the innovation, but how can we help industrialize it and ensure the integrity and the infrastructure is there to support it been a great collaboration. And one of the most exciting things I've been part of in my CIO role is getting to learn about all these great things that our programs have been doing and really want to continue so that we can advance our capabilities.
1: Yeah, there's so much Efforts and so much richness around the data and the opportunities. I I can only imagine that from an HHS and healthcare perspective and a a Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we can jump into some new priorities. My guest is Susie Connor, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's CIO. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Susie Connor the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Chief Information Officer. Susie, before break, we were talking a lot about older priorities, and you're kind of giving us an update of where some of those older priorities are today. I want to jump into some new priorities and stuff you're trying to get done over the next six or nine months. Earlier in the program, you mentioned a three-part IT transformation effort. So maybe start there with some of your priorities.
0: We're really embarking on a a three-part transformation. The first is a digital transformation. So what that means is we're re-envisioning IT the tools and and the thinking around it to improve our customer experience, engage our workforce, and innovate for high performance. Included as that as a second part is looking at i t modernization specifically, which means that we're upgrading our core infrastructure, enhancing our technologies and our capabilities, and expanding into new products and service delivery areas. That means a state-of-the-art technology platform, or for CDC, it'll likely be an ecosystem as we have a variety of mission-critical systems that need to be interoperable to enable shared services and solutions across the CDC organizations. One thing that we're absolutely intent on is releasing the power of our data. And I'll speak to this um, now, but we can touch upon it a a little later as well, of really launching our new website that just came out, which is open.cdc.gov, to share our technology resources with our public health stakeholders. And then the third piece of our transformation really falls into the workforce development, addressing the digital skills gap by building employee skills and abilities to meet the new demands of these technologies and the digital age so that we can expand into those new service areas for the optimal efficiency for the organization. So those Systems need to be modernized with new capabilities, and therefore modernizing our workforce as well.
1: All right. There's a lot to unpack there. Let's start with uh, number one, digital transformation, re-envisioning IT tools and thinking. Delve deeper into what does that mean?
0: Our strategic initiatives that we've been talking about will certainly span more than the next uh, six to nine months. However, our digital transformation efforts are really at the top of our priority. We're collaborating to understand, as I mentioned earlier, what our internal and external customers' most challenging problems are and how to explore using new technologies such as artificial intelligence or natural language processing to acquire new data sets to expand our public health mission. So we're innovating mission-critical applications and integrating and extending those capabilities through advancements of modernized enterprise architectures, such as cloud solutions, for example.
1: I was waiting for you to say the word cloud, actually. I was. I (laughs) I figured you might ask me a little bit about cloud. I can't talk to a CIO (laughs) without the cloud coming up. So let's go down that path a little bit. How is the CDC using cloud today and where you see it going in the future?
0: In terms of cloud computing for CDC, we are embarking on a transformation with cloud as part of that digital effort. So we feel that cloud has the greatest near-term potential to increase operational efficiency and get the capacity that we need for CDC. So traditionally, CDC has been very methodical and deliberate with our investments. And cloud was one of those areas that really we needed to understand and what was the power and capability that we would achieve through that. So to accelerate our momentum, last year we established a cross-agency cloud task force to focus on seven recommendations that came out of those internal and external sessions that I spoke of. These include the development of a cloud strategy, more of a brokerage approach, a nimble governance process, because as we all know, sometimes the governance can get in the way of greatness, flexible consumption-based acquisition vehicles, so working in uh, collaboration with our acquisition staff, and really the reliance on our vendors as well to come up with creative ways to consume cloud services, which are non-traditional to your data centers. We need to be able to scale for what we know is going to be the increased volumes of data, but that's so unpredictable, we don't know when that might be. So instead of investing the capital to be able to Access that through a cloud solution can really just be a a great enabler for us during responses and our future capabilities as we look at advanced molecular detection and genome sequencing and those sorts of things that require more high compute power. So it's not just about accelerating our adoption, but really laying a a thoughtful foundation um, of how to integrate all of these new technologies together as well
1: part of that is IT modernization specifically the core infrastructure and when someone talks about core infrastructure the first thing that comes to mind is the new general services administration's EIS contract enterprise infrastructure solutions which is the you know backbone that OMB wants to push agencies toward you know kind of a modernized approach to infrastructure is that part of that discussion yet or when you talk about IT infrastructure you're just looking at your internal one first and then you'll go broader to what HHS is doing later on
0: we are absolutely uh in lockstep with HHS and the broader goal of the EIS transformation. And as a matter of fact, the task force is looking at how do we build that architecture framework into our cloud solution. So it's really at a pivotal point of these intersection all coming together at one time for us to really take advantage of the scope and the scale. In order to go to the cloud and work with larger data sets, you need to have that more robust capability and transport, and that, in fact, is what EIS is intended to do, is to really modernize that network capability and the telecommunications and transport required for that through more modernized software-defined networking capabilities, or those types of things. So that team is actively looking at both of those capabilities as we build out that architecture and the framework.
1: You mentioned the team had come up with seven recommendations based on some external and, and internal research. Is that part of a cloud strategy that eventually will come out? I know you mentioned that one of the re- recommendations was developing a cloud strategy, but is that the kind of the first piece to this broader puzzle?
0: It absolutely is, and we're actually running those seven recommendations as work streams and work groups, and the first is the cloud strategy. At the same time, though, we don't want to wait to start looking at what are new and innovative acquisition strategies for that. We know some of the core capabilities. We need to define those guardrails and parameters of the architecture for our agency cloud use, because as you're familiar, you can look at everything from infrastructure as a service in the cloud to platform as a service to software as a service, and really looking at what are the most critical demands of the agency, architecting that solution, and then quickly being able to deliver that capability. So it's all nicely, tightly working together.
1: And just real quick, because we're going to take a quick break, but Do you expect 2019 to be a big year for you guys when it comes to acquisition and moving to cloud, or do you think 2019 lays the foundation and 2020 will be really the big year?
0: I think 2019 is going to start the year of change uh, for CDC and for cloud adoption. As you well know, as as you look at cloud, you have to be thoughtful in how you move in uh, to the applications, taking everything from on-prem and moving them directly into a cloud environment. You you want to make sure that you've got the right applications going into those right environments. So, 19 is going to be primarily a foundational component, and I really see a lot more expansion in 2020. But I will say this, we are, um, as an organization, I encourage the use of rapid prototypes and exploration so that we can uh, quickly test out these methods in an agile manner so that we can provide those capabilities in a much faster response time. So 19 will be the foundation and 2020 should probably be the core.
1: All right. I foresee another conversation with you coming up in a a, a year or so. Susie, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can uh, finish up our discussion. My guest is Susie Connor, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Chief Information Officer. I'm your host, Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest, Susie Conner, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Chief Information Officer. Susie, we got into your new priorities, and one of the last things you mentioned right before break was the idea of moving to cloud, As how how 2019 would be foundational and 2020 would be much more active. But at the same time, you said, listen, I encourage the use of rapid prototypes, exploration to test in an Agile manner. And that's a perfect setup for my next question, which is all about Agile DevOps. How are you applying that to the CDC?
0: as we opened up my former role within the Management Information Systems Office. And one of those areas of modernization for that unit was really to expand on the Agile and DevOps and actually moving into the DevSecOps. We've spoken a lot about security there. Agile and DevOps are really components of our broader change occurring. So it's all about targeting the small incremental things that we can do to make progress. And uh, my team knows I'm constantly saying, fail forward, fail early, fail often. So we encourage the use of the DevOps mindset. It means more integration with our customers. We've embedded our teams in, you asked earlier, how do we work with our public health programs? When we start working on a new effort, we embed our development teams with them so that we can understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish and gain more focused understanding of their needs and identify additional areas where IT could help advance their capabilities. So when you look at an agile approach, The benefits are for everyone, especially the end user and the consumer who needs that information much more rapidly. The days of large monolithic systems that take years, we don't have the luxury of waiting longer periods of time. So the Management Information Systems Office has done a great job in being able to reduce our delivery times, and they are moving in that constant area of implement a minimal viable project – put it in front of your customers and users, if it needs to be tweaked, we very quickly tweak that backlog and continue to move on and innovate as we move forward. So it's really an agile mindset that we are trying to develop through all of our staff. And we've had a lot of great success within CDC and are sharing these items and lessons learned across our sister operating division so they can also expand their agile DevOps uh, implementations.
1: Talk about how this this mindset change of agile can help you now promote the innovation and, and move to more digital services.
0: As we look at our digital service transformation, its implications are profound for CDC in terms of how we communicate and deliver the customers to uh, the value to our customers. As we work with the workforce, we really want them to continuously push the innovation to the edge. Um, really to adopt things much more quickly. The fact is, there are always new and better ways to do things, and it's really up to us to find those uh, for our customers and to have those skills readily available. We encourage at CDC innovation at all staff levels, and actually beyond our internal uh, walls as well. It's the foundation of our IT transformation success to be able to use these innovative services such as we've spoken about earlier. In my experience, the most successful innovation efforts resulted from focused efforts to solve an unsolved problem, um, which means innovation can't just be a top-down process, So to that end, we encourage teams to pursue hackathons, beta testing, partner with industry and our academic institutions to seek out those leverageable solutions. The other thing that we started to do is really, and it's a long, rich history, but communities of practice around key areas, such as data visualization and analytics, we have over 300 members contributing to that innovation and technology to figure out how best to visualize our data and what are the new methods in terms of analytics. Data mobility um, and microservices are other communities of practice that have been self-evolution of innovation So these groups are exploring innovation. They're testing new tools. They're sharing uh, standards across uh, each of their organizations um, from the implementations that they've started. You know, I mentioned digital services earlier and how we want to get the data right, and we want to get it right now. Recently, and I spoke of the OpenCDC.gov. January 9th, we launched our OpenCDC.gov website, which really revolutionizes the way we share our public health information. Using the methods we spoke about, it consolidated everything into a one-stop, easy-to-use website that assembles our open technologies and makes it available for the public use and consumption. During the first month alone, We had 1,400 visitors who came to that site to discover and use the data, understand what our application protocol interfaces are, and the code that they could readily reuse um, to save time and efficiency. So that's one clear example of how our, our digital transformation is modernizing and integrating across CDC and our partners. And it's just one of a bigger picture that we're focused on for 19, as you said, 20, in the years to come.
1: Are you finding that previously when you didn't have this CDC, or this open.cdc.gov website, that all this data was in disparate databases and there were and people were saying, hey I want to find this data or they didn't know what they didn't know like what was I guess the impetus for creating this this one-stop shop be- beyond the, the logical one which is ease of use and accessibility but was there was there another factor or another reason why you guys decided to go down in this direction now versus again a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago?
0: Well, you hit the nail right on the head. It's because this data was in a variety of sources. It was in a variety of formats. It was really a bit cumbersome to figure out um, where can we go to leverage some of the information and open source codes and methodologies that have already been developed. So this really was trying to make it readily available and easy to use and to consume. But you're spot on. It was in a variety of sources and just very challenging to get to
1: all right very nice and on that note unfortunately we are out of time this has been just a fascinating conversation so let me first thank my guest Susie connor is the centers for disease control and prevention chief information officer Susie, thank you so much for taking the time today
0: jason thank you so much and look forward to our continued discussions
1: i'm jason miller and you've been listening to ask the cio on federal news radio part of the federal news network
0: You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio,
1: part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on
0: iTunes or Podcast One.